Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio message from the pulpit of Gospel Light Baptist Church. Our church is led by Pastor Brent Lenentine. Pastor is celebrating his 28th year of ministry in the greater Albuquerque area. We want to invite you to be our guest at an upcoming service. We are confident that you will find Gospel Light to be friendly, accepting, and challenging. You'll find the music to be exciting and heart-stirring, the challenge ministry to be engaging and spiritual, and the preaching to be biblical and practical. We hope to see you soon. At 2 Chronicles chapter 15, stand if you don't mind. As I read this marvelous story from the Word of God, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. If you seek him, he'll be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long time, Israel, please note the distinction. The prophecy was to Judah. We're now learning something about Israel. Southern kingdom, Judah, capital was in Jerusalem, had some good kings and some bad kings. The northern kingdom, Israel, had no good kings. And Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. They didn't have the Lord. They didn't have a leader. They didn't have the law. But when they, the bad kingdom, the northern kingdom, in their trouble to turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace in Israel. To him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries, and nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye, the man of God, says to Asa, the king, and Judah, the country, be ye strong, therefore. Uh, Look at what happened over there. See their example, and don't be like them. Be ye strong. And let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. When Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, two tribes in the south. And the strangers with him out of Ephraim. Was Ephraim part of the, Ephraim part of the southern kingdom? It's not a trick question. <laughs> was Ephraim part of the southern kingdom, the two tribes of Benjamin, Benjamin and Judah? Was that part of them? No. And Manasseh, was that part of the southern kingdom? No. And out of Simeon, is that part of the southern kingdom? But he's gathering people from these tribes, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, and they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen, seven thousand sheep, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. That whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. 
whether small or great, whether man or woman, and they swear unto the Lord God with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they'd sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Maacah, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. The high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and vessels, and there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Father, I pray that you'd guide me and empower me by your spirit. Direct me to say just what you want said. I do not want to leave out something you want said because of the lateness of the hour, nor do I want to say things that aren't important or necessary for this people in this moment. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. We've certainly heard enough to make it well worth our while being in this meeting. But you have ordained it that there's another message, and would you use it to draw us to yourself, to change our thinking, to encourage us, to correct us, to challenge us, I pray. Bless the preaching and the invitation. We'll thank you in Jesus' name for what you do. Amen. Asa's father, Abijah, was a bad king, only reigned over the land of Judah for three years. His grandfather was Rehoboam, the one that got him in that divided mess. And his great-grandfather was Solomon. A prophet comes to him. His name is Azariah. Azariah's father is named Oded. Sometimes in the passage, he's called by his father's name, Oded. Sometimes called by his name, Azariah. And he never appears anyplace else in the Scripture. Kind of like Elijah, he shows up out of nowhere and he calls the king and he calls the nation of Judah to attention and to action. He says, hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. There is a conditional promise. If you seek him, you'll find him. If you want him, you can have him. You can be as close to God as you want to be. And, and, and then he gives them a comparison. He says, why don't you look at your neighbors to the north? They didn't have God. They didn't have a teaching priest. They didn't have the law. And they had all kinds of trouble because of that. Now, why don't you look at how things worked out for them and decide not to do what they did? Or not to neglect the things they neglected? You see, Israel had gone their own way. Israel had not followed the truth of the God that was their God. They had not followed the law that was given to them. They had not followed the, the lessons that had been given to them by Solomon and David and Moses. And they had done their own thing and they worshipped idols and they had done all kind of things in an effort to be like other nations. And, and the man of God says, hey, why don't you see how that worked out for them? Trouble on every side. He said, don't you be like that. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be strong. Amen. 
Our theme this year is Be Strong. I've been preaching all year from these chapters 14, 15, and 16 in the book of 2 Chronicles about Asa. I'm convinced we got enough snowflakes and cupcakes. We got enough little children who are told that they're always the best and always the smartest and always the most talented and they deserve all the awards and they never lose a ball game and they've never been disciplined and they've turned into a soft kind of Christian. We've got enough cocktail sipping, beer swilling, movie going, service canceling, Bible changing, world imitating, rock music playing churches and we've got enough cowering and cowardly Christians. We've got enough people to think reading three verses Verses a day in somebody's poem and somebody's story along with it constitute enough time with God. We need somebody to be strong. So that's what he tells them to do. Look at and see how that turned out. Did you know it's in Brother Kerry Smith's book on music. It's a phenomenal statistic that the contemporary church loses over 90% of their young people. I wonder why that is. I just got an idea. They get them in for rock music, and after a while, the young people figure out the world does rock music better than the church. They didn't teach them the word of God. They didn't teach them to stand. They didn't teach them to go to the workplace and be a witness in the school and be a testimony. Uh, I, I was flipping through the channels a few years ago and I saw Jim Baker of PTL fame and he was bringing in his successor, a real grody looking kind of guy with his cap on sideways. And uh, he said, we've got to reach the young people. We're losing 80% of our young people. Well, maybe the independent fundamental Baptist church doesn't need to learn how the contemporary church gets a crowd. Uh, maybe they ought to learn how somebody has developed soldiers to serve in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you ought to look and see how those young people turned out who were raised by the World War II generation like I was. My mother would say to me if she didn't like what I was doing, she'd say, I'm going to jump down your throat and dance on your liver. I do not know what that meant, but I was pretty sure I didn't want it to happen. But those weren't the worst words she said. The worst words she said and the most often repeated words I remember from my childhood were, bend over. My dad was spanking me at a camp one time where he was preaching. I was four or five years old, and, and some wise guy came by, and he said, Don't do that. You'll warp his personality. My dad said, That's exactly what I'm trying to do. I don't like the way it's shaped, and I'm trying to change it. Maybe you ought to check and see how those people turned out, and then check and see how the people who were never told no. Well, don't tell your child not to color on the wall. You're going to stifle their creative impulses. You need to go and say, that's really beautiful, Johnny. That's amazing. I bet, you, I bet you're going to be a great artist. Why don't we try coloring on paper? Check it out. Uh, just see what happens when God is not honored, when his word is not proclaimed, when the Bible is not the center of the family. Check it out. And he gives them a comparison. And then I see something incredible. 
In verse 8, when Asa heard these words. When Asa, he didn't see an example. It doesn't say that he saw a demonstration of power. It doesn't say that some miracle was performed when he heard these words. And the prophecy of Odin, the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols of all the land of Judah and of Benjamin. You know, we say, well, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Come on, a picture is worth a thousand words, they say. Really? You give me a thousand words, I'll give you the Lord's Prayer, the 23rd Psalm, the Gettysburg Address, the Hippocratic Oath, most of the Boy Scout Oath, and you tell me what picture is worth those thousand words. We live in a day that diminishes the preaching of the Word of God. And you go to a church and they have 40 minutes of music and 8 minutes of something faintly resembling preaching. There's some people don't like preaching. They don't like to be told what to do. You're not going to influence this generation that way, but I'm here to tell you that when a man of God stood up and spoke to an entire nation, the whole nation, the king down, took courage because of his words. God's always used his word preached by his servants to change lives. It was the word of God delivered that stirred a mail carrier in Atlanta, Georgia to leave his part-time position as a preacher of a primitive Baptist church and go out knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus and one of the first three people in his entire life to Christ the next Saturday and went into the post office and resigned. He said, if I keep doing this, I don't need that job and built the great Forest Hills Baptist church in Decatur, Georgia because of the message from the Word of God. It was the word of an unwilling prophet that turned the entire nation of Nineveh to repent and avoid the judgment of God. It was the word that the Apostle Paul the temple preached from given to a timid and hesitant young man that God had not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I'm here to tell you that what you need is not to have some smoke show and some light show and some poor imitation of all the new Music. You need to have a man of God who stands up and preaches the word of God. And when it's done in the power of God, the people will take courage. And you know what happened? Man, they got all kinds of other people coming. Wow. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers of the Mount of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him in abundance. We're trying to figure out how to grow our churches. We're trying to figure out how to accommodate this new generation. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to reach the people in these modern times. But what if there was a church where the word of God was proclaimed? What if there was a church where people were delivered from their drunkenness and their drug addictions by the gospel of Jesus Christ? What if there was a church where marriages were put back together because they obeyed the word of God and wayward children came home and families were strengthened by the word of God? You let that word spread around the community that God's at work and everybody want to be where God is doing something. 
But notice the cleansing. Now I find this really interesting because in chapter 14, the Bible says that he took away, verse 3, the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers. And now the very next chapter, it says he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Why do you have to do that? The cleansing, I want you to notice, was pervasive. All Judah, all Benjamin gathered themselves together and he said, I'm going to take all the idols and all these abominations out of all the land of Judah and of Benjamin. But this cleansing was progressive. They'd already had it in chapter 14, they had to have it again. Now, part of that was because they'd taken new territory, and the new territory needed to be cleansed like the old territory had been, too. One of the things God wants to do is the new Christians that get saved, he wants to clean them up like he did the old ones. Let me tell you what part of it was, I think. My dad ran the Detroit Rescue Mission. It's the largest mission in the world today. It's no longer fundamental. But Dad built the building they're in, started many of the programs they have, really really was used to God to get them out of debt and build a great foundation. And one of the things he did was have a summer camp. And inner city kids in Detroit would gather, and young people from area churches would counsel. We rented the campgrounds from the government, and they always inspected it before we could leave. Dad gave real clear instructions to the counselors about getting ready for inspection. One of the things he said was this, sweep out your cabin twice. And then he said, you'll be surprised how much dirt you get the second time. I read in Colossians that there were people that had put off basic sins of the flesh. And then... The Spirit of God told the Apostle Paul to say to them, Now ye also put off all these. And he listed sins of the Spirit. What happens to some of us, we we don't do any of the main bad things. We don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't dance, we don't listen to rock music, we don't gamble, we don't use drugs, we don't beat our wives. We think we've done a ride. And somebody talks about sin, and somebody talks about getting right with God, and somebody talks about cleansing, and we're pretty sure that belongs to somebody else. But God called the land of Judah not only to a pervasive cleansing, but to a progressive cleansing. And note this, it was a personal cleansing. His own mother had made an idol And he didn't say, well, mama's getting on in years. She just doesn't understand. She lived with my father all those years, and he wasn't much account, and you can't expect too much from her. He didn't cover it up. He made a public determination to deal with the situation. His own mother, he removed her from being queen and he took the idol she'd made and he stamped it and he burned it at the Brook Kidron. Nobody was exempt. Some of you heard of Phil Schuler. 
His father was fighting Bob Schuler in Los Angeles. Phil Schuler, as a young man, had a toothache. He went to the dentist, and the dentist said, you need a gold crown. And it was going to be, this would have been before World War II got really far underway. And he said, it's going to be like $200. And Phil Schuler said, no, no, that kind of money. So he just ignored it. Those kind of tooth problems will ebb and flow in the amount of pain they have. He joined the Navy during World War II. He got to boxing for his uh, group in the Navy, and he was pretty good, and he was going to represent them. They were going along boxing <clears throat> against other parts of the Navy, and somebody hit him right where that tooth was, and oh, man, all that pain came back. So the commanding officer said, hey, we got a Navy dentist. We'll go see the dentist. to take care of you. Phil Schuler went into the dentist, and there was the exact same dentist he'd seen in civilian life who had joined the Navy during World War II to do his part. And Phil Schuler grinned. He said, hey, Doc, right there, gold crown, 200 bucks, courtesy of Uncle Sam. The dentist smiled. He sat in the chair. And I remember Phil Schuler's only other visit to the dentist had been to have nothing done. The dentist held up. You ever see those things they give you shots with? I'm always nervous about anything. You've got to have two loops for your fingers to hold. He said, would you like me to use Novocaine? He didn't know what it was, but he didn't like the looks of that. He said, no, no I don't want any Novocaine. He said, all right. Leaned him back in the chair. Turned the drill on. Uh, you don't have to waterboard people. Just put them in a dentist chair. Right? Right? Let them hear that. And he started to drill, and Phil Schuler came up out of the chair and said, ah, Doc, what are you doing? He said, I'm drilling the decay out from the tooth before I put the crown on. He said, oh, doc, don't mess with that. Just put the crown on. Now, we know that if you did that, the tooth would just keep rotting. The dentist said, I don't work that way. And God comes to us again and again. He says, you need to clean up this, and now you need to clean up that, and now I want you to give up this. It's not really even sinful, but it's weighing you down. And we want to say, God, that's kind of painful. Just put the crown on. And God says, I don't work that way. Lord, thanks for the lessons from the life of Asa. We can find you if we want to seek you. We can have your power, and Lord, we can take courage just from the words of your servants. And when we see you work, and others see you work, they'll come to us from all over the place. But a cleansing is required first, and a commitment. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. To learn more about our church and its helpful ministries, visit us on the web at www.gospelitebaptist.org. If we can be a blessing to you in any way, let us know.